And one night, randomly, my parents were arguing um, while my mom was making dinner. And I remember this because I was standing there barefoot, looking up and seeing them having an argument, as, as you do. It's not a big deal. Um, and then they stopped because we all turned around because we heard glass breaking. And we had these cabinets. And I'm just jumping into the one of the stories just because I'm trying to you know, jump away. My brain. That's fine. Do jump it. away. We're jumping with you. Between the present and the past, memories held in the walls and earth, energies and entities that cross the barrier into our dreams and our consciousness. That which has been left behind between the living and the dead. I'm Emily. And I'm Joy. And this is Is The the Residuals. Residuals. Now, one of the mums um, and I were texting yesterday. She's like, yeah. I checked out your your podcast and it's just like when we talk at the park. I was like, thank you. And I said to her, I was like, honestly, I don't think Joy and I realize a lot of the times that other people are going to actually be listening to this. That's true. That's why I have to edit stuff out. that's why i'm like oh wait right i don't want to say that about my mom (laughs) oh no that she's a wonderful lovely my mom is wonderful and lovely she's just also other things (laughs) hang on a second andrew is coming on the line hi andrew hello how you doing good how are you you? oh my gosh i'm so excited i was just saying the same thing (laughs) i i I have to say i'm a little nervous because i don't want to let you guys down i want it to be good i want this to be good stuff it's great um, would it help um, if i just told you that eric we 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 will that now because you said that we're going to purposefully set our expectations really low so that anything No, anything from this point onwards, we're going to be like, do you remember? That was amazing. So it's going to be Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, so how much do you want to, like, talk about what we're going to talk about before we go? Oh, we're well, already recording, uh, we're recording. Oh, we're recording. Oh, just because, no, it's because live. We're see, live. You did, well, it's not really live. <laughs> it will, it's later. Don't she worry. It's to, not live. She has to edit it to make me oh, yeah, yeah. not to, like such ooh. a dumbass. And yeah. Um, okay, good. No, there's so many times that we like have gotten on with people before we've recorded. And then like we start talking about something because we're so excited to see them. And then we miss all this like good intro shit. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Now it's like, quick, do it now. So we don't miss anything. Um, I, I love the show, but that's awesome. Thank you. Awesome work. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. We were saying before you joined us how we forget sometimes that people listen to the show because we just talk to each other like we normally do and then poof, I put it out there into the ether and go, okay, I have to go pick up my kid and do this housework and do this other work and I'm like, oh right, people listen to this podcast. <laughs> but it's that's sort of that's sort of what's great about it. It's part of your brand, I think. It's like you sure. just I'm a marketer by background. I don't know if you just caught the brand reference. Sorry. I um, did. I liked it. <laughs> Keep going, Andrew. But yeah, I know. It's, 
it, it, it's this weird thing where I had to like remind myself I haven't met you yet because it's like you talk so informally. I feel like we've been hanging out as I listen to podcasts. And I'm like, no, wait, these people don't know me. I can't just be a thousand percent who I am yet. I have to yes, no, you can. You totally you? can. You okay. know us. Buckle up, kids. No, that's <laughs> <laughs> sounds like me talking to people. I'm like, oh, you want me to be myself? Okay. But we are. I mean, we really are just like, well, this is how we are. And if you don't like it, get off my lawn. Because yeah, there we go. <laughs> Whatever. It's fine. What um, so yeah, said. you definitely know us at this point. <laughs> if you've listened to all of the episodes or most of the episodes, you have a pretty good idea of who we are. <laughs> That's what I would say. See, I... I when we got on, I said to Joy, I'm very excited because this is the first time that we've had someone come on who heard one of our episodes and then was like, oh, I need to listen to all of these from the beginning. We've never had someone like, I don't think it's, we've ever had someone great. who's like invested in it that we didn't know personally. Oh, I can't say I've listened to every one of them yet, but I've been, I've been Why? working on rebuilding a shed in my, I know. <laughs> rebuilding a shed in my backyard and you guys have been the soundtrack to it to the point i'm like is this shed haunted now it's just like very weird it <laughs> is i hate to tell you yeah. it's very haunted <laughs> full pod ghosts. yeah pod Sorry. Ghosts. that's how i used when i first found um my favorite murder i was getting a new shop ready to open and I remember being in there alone, like just binging episodes and like painting by myself. And then, of course, it wasn't ghosts, but I'd be like, who's coming to murder me now alone while I sit here in Queens in the middle of the night? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. I like to think, though, stuff like that, that we binge makes us more prepared. Like I found myself there was there was a murder that happened. No, my husband and I were watching a murder show which is rare because he's like, he's like, this is your thing. Ghosts and murder, they're your thing. His thing is cults, which sounds weird to say out loud, but whatever. I think somehow the two were intertwined or the three were intertwined in the show. Often, and I, yes. yeah. yeah. And I, I found myself saying out loud, well, this person is obviously very stupid because first of all, they went to Walmart where it's known that they have cameras everywhere. Second of mm-hmm. all, they used their credit card and then they kept the receipt. Everybody knows you go to a mom and pop joint somewhere out of town. Right. You use cash. You throw the receipt away. Like Wear you a don't wig. leave a trail. <laughs> you get someone else maybe that you don't know to buy your burner phone for cash. And it's like I'm going mm-hmm. through this laundry list of things that you need to do. And I realize he's like, <laughs> he's He's he now knows. You were like, oh, I could disappear and commit yeah. a crime and I'd be fine. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, hear, I hear like another podcast coming. It's like how to <laughs> yeah. commit a crime. Like, no, we can't do that. We can't do that. <laughs> how to commit a crime, People disappear would... and start a cult. That's, that's yeah, what it's going to Somebody be. would, they'd know that I know the thing. So they'd be like, obviously it was you. You No. I'm like, no, you the can't. Perfect cover. Mm-hmm. Not anymore. <laughs> Sorry, Joy. I fucked that up um oh we should introduce ourselves oh yes. yeah go okay. ahead we should do, do that. that i'm emily i'm, I'm and emily. i'm joy yeah and this mm-hmm. is she is i'm joy the residuals residuals oh we have you waited guest. a long time I on thought, that one do we do should we do it again absolutely not okay sorry. <laughs> All right. i'm sorry we have a guest today yes oh. and andrew is with us today I just waved. I don't know why. That's fine. You can see us. It's cool. It's all right. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah. Uh, where are you, 
geographically? I am in Glendale, California, um, mm-hmm. in, in one of the canyons full of coyotes that I've heard you guys mention, yeah. Oh, so you oh, get I used to, to hear them saying, she did. Oh, oh my God. We're in, we're in Glen Oaks Canyon. It's just, I just used to live right rock. near there. <laughs> we live across here from the park. Uh, it's right oh. there. Oh my God. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Um, and it's, um, yeah, there's hundreds of coyotes in this canyon. Uh-huh. Hundreds. And you'll hear them on both sides at night. I'm sure you remember. And, and when it's cold out. My wife says something about them being, it being mating season or something. But it's like when it's cold and rainy, they get really upset. And then they just howl back and forth. <laughs> well, we that sounds like the rest of LA. So yeah, you know, exactly. Like, it's oh. Typical, really. So, it's weird because so, yeah. you you could set a clock by hours for their primal scream. It's around eight o'clock between eight eight thirty. They collect on the hill really? and will do a primal scream when it's especially when it's mating season. It's the huh. weirdest thing. That, Sorry, yeah. Joy. You no, saying. we we don't have the. Ha- I mean, we have coyotes down here in Long Beach. But I think the parakeets make more noise than anything else. I always know when the sun is going down because yeah. they squawk and flock. Our, our Highland Park parakeets, when we lived in Highland Park, we had the parakeets big time. Um, but I yeah. used to live in Long Beach, actually, also. That was my first apartment out of college was downtown, right behind downtown on Pine and Forth. Oh. Yeah, that was back in the day. Friends would call me from their cell phones. They'd come get me. I'm in my car. I'm not getting out without you. That oh, was, God. Was, a little different neighborhood than it is now. I, I mean, it. is it? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> mm-hmm. But when I was in Glendale, I was right at Chevy Chase and Sinclair. Oh. So we used to go up your way all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Everyone's so, like, what are they talking? Where is this place? <laughs> four people will know, and those four people will be stoked. Yeah, exactly. She was also across the street from the hospital. And yeah. so yeah. would yes. have visitors oh really (laughs) it got real weird for a while like it was quiet in that apartment most of the time but then I don't know maybe towards the end of 2020 um it was it kind of felt like just walking back and forth in the like just like a bus station or something what was that um uh, I can't remember when the pandemic started was that during the beginning of the pandemic it that was, was like, it. it was probably the end of 2020. So like months into it after months things had been really shitty here in LA with like hospital overflow, mm-hmm. ambulance problems, and just general healthcare problems. So it was like, yes, it was, so like, <laughs> it was rough. I mean, this gets towards sort of the topic of the podcast. I, um, I, I to me, that all makes total sense. I, I don't know what all this stuff is about, but like you tell me the a hospital you live across you from, things were quiet, then a pandemic hits, it's overrun with people. That's going to stir something up. Right? Exactly. It's like People who are dying alone. Yeah. And they don't have their families and their loved ones with them and they're scared. So. And, and, and whether the people going through your apartment, figuratively or literally, are, mm-hmm. um, are those people or people spirits going towards the people who are dying alone? You know, being attracted. Oh, to that. interesting. Like, oh, I didn't think. I, about I don't that. know. I mean, it's after life support I, groups. I like this idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I tend to look at towards the light, not the dark. You're a better person so I, than I'm I am because I'm no, no. negative Nancy all the time. <laughs> I'm just like all but, these people um, are dying and everything's terrible. Yeah, they're like, excuse me, can we? 
talk to you because I've had similar things happen at different times in my life where like I was very stressed, but I was also mm. around places that there was a lot of new death and a lot of um, uninvestigated or, you know, open case death. I was like doing research at the forensics or at the um, medical examiners in Connecticut. And I just felt like I was being followed all the time, every place I went. Like I was running in from my car. I was nervous to stay in my house alone. <laughs> yeah. You know, that was over 20 years ago. So now when this happened again, I was like, new. I'm just under my covers and I'm not paying attention to any of it. Like the TV started going on and off in our living room in the middle of the night sometimes. It's <laughs> just like hitting my husband wow. to get up and go take care of it. I'm like having a quiet heart attack next to him. So, yeah, I mean, there have been a few things, but um, it definitely the vibe there changed a lot um, post pandemic and into like we left. We left March 2021 um, and then moving down here has been like, oh, cool. We walked through the whole house and took my sage and I was like, hi, house, <laughs> you be good to us. We'll be good to you. Let's be cool. And everything has been cool. So I want it to stay that way because I like being able to sleep. It's yeah, nice. <laughs> totally. Oh, okay. Um, so Andrew enough about my ghost stories <laughs> i want to hear about yours all right uh where do you want god it's funny like usually this comes up randomly mm -hmm. in my conversation it's not like i don't i don't lead with ghost forward it's not how right sure people um so it's funny to be like talking about this uh with purpose um but i think i think i'll start sort of today and, and then jump back I wouldn't say that I'm someone who like I, I don't like being surprised. I don't like being don't like being scared. I hate horror movies, um, oh. all that stuff, and, and largely because I was terrified as a child all the time because I grew up in a haunted house. But like terrified, like a kid is terrified, right? I I definitely feel like I have a sensitivity to things. I mean, I'll never forget in high school here in L.A. Um, we had a pool, and I could not be in that pool alone. It was like someone drowned in that pool. Something Whoa. happened in that pool. And I would, I would go swimming, you know, it's in the backyard. I would jump in and I'll go swimming, especially at night. I would just fast as I could just get out of the pool. But if I was with other people, it was fine. I just always felt like I was with somebody in that pool. They were just there. Like they were right behind me about to grab my feet. Have you ever looked up the address to see? I didn't find anything. I, I've done a lot of, re like in my background, I've done a lot of research on stuff. So I spent some time researching this and I just didn't dig in. I never did LA research, so I'm not used to um, I've done a lot of research on New York, right? Westchester and Sleepy Hollow. So I was used to that, but, um, but I didn't get into the, so no, I hadn't found anything. And, and part of me doesn't really need to know anymore because it's sort of in my past. You just, but also you just knew you, you felt it enough. That oh, you just knew like, like you wouldn't even, Oh, like, like your friend jumped in right behind you like that. feeling. Um, and I, I'm, I'm that kind of person who um, I've heard similar stories from some of the people on your show. Like I will sometimes walk into a place and get dizzy, like get really dizzy and have to sit down. Mm -hmm. And I equate it with the, the times that two times happened very clearly. One was I was looking to rent um, a room and a house in LA when I was really much younger. And um, this guy was renting out rooms and this big old craftsman. And I walked in and he's like, why don't you have a seat in the living room? I'm going to go and like, 
I don't know what, open up, whatever. And it was like, I sat down on a couch between two built-in bookshelves of tchotchke. Oh man. Of just like hundreds of like tchotchke. And I just started getting dizzy. It was like, this house has been so lived in. There's so much here in front of me. I'm not even saying it's haunted. It's just like his memories and everything are here. Mm-hmm. He'd been there like 50 years. And, um, and that was fine. But I was like, I can't be in a house where like, I feel all this all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, and then the other one was years later, my wife and I were looking to buy our first house and we, we found one of these houses in the Highland park with these California basements. You know what I mean? Like they're like eight by 10. Like oh, we have one here. Really? It's like, it's like an eight by 10 concrete cell under your house. That it's sounds even worse than not having one. I- when you say it like that, an eight by 10 <laughs> concrete cell under your house, <laughs> that sounds intriguing. It's a true crime show now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The one we have here is fine at this house. It's just you, you walk in from an outdoor um, door, an outside door, and it's like, whatever. It's this little like cross, not even cross. It's like eight feet high inside in this furnace. I went to this other one. The, the one like, oh, there's a basement. And I was like, oh, basement. And there's a door in the kitchen. And this is a really old house. I was like, this is California. So really old means like 1915. Right? Yes. Right. But that's freaking old for here. There was like, like 100,000 people in LA then. You are right. And, um, <laughs> And uh, I walked down the steps and I walked into this well-lit concrete cell, painted completely white, everything, floor, ceiling, walls, everything. And I just was like falling over. Like I literally was like, my head started spinning. I got up, I got out of there. I said, Jen, we're leaving this house right now. We're done. And and I was like, I I just, I had the worst sense of dread in that basement and, and I just didn't like it at all. It could, it could have just been some kid was scared down there once, you know, like does. Yeah. (gasps) That would be another one. Okay. When we're not recording, send us the address of it. I will do my homework. (laughs) I don't remember where it is. (laughs) It was an island park. It was the LaBianca house. No big deal. (laughs) I will Uh, say, (laughs) but it sounds like you were saying that you do a lot of research for your stuff. Like that's one of the things that I, have had to do in a lot of my past jobs that I absolutely geek out on. I will go into my ADD super fixation wormhole situation Mm -hmm. where it's like, I will not come up for air until I have answers with this. (laughs) Well, let's go. This is what I'm talking about. I have a question though. Hang on one second. Before we go any further, you are saying things that are very in line with, I will use this blanket statement, with someone who is sensitive. You can't hear right now that I'm laughing. I could, I yes, I did. No, we I can absolutely hear. Hear. <laughs> we can hear. And listen, if I didn't hear you, I would have felt you laughing. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. I, I oh, have that um, can you Can um, you put in post-production a little drum roll thing? Like, I'm curious to hear about this, this sensitive thing because I know there is this, um, I know there is this, I'm using air quotes, sensitive something in, in the paranormal sphere, but there's mm-hmm. also in the, I would say normal sphere, the non-paranormal sphere, this highly sensitive designation, right? You can take these quizzes mm-hmm. online. Are you a highly sensitive person? Your chair's moving. Oh, it's because your cat must've jumped. It's, it. it's my idiot cat. I'm so sorry. <laughs> She's the sorry. worst. <laughs> you might see my dog with a cone on later. He'll just run around. He just <laughs> oh. fixed this last week. My son busted that out at nine years old. He's like, dad, the dog's got the cone of shame on. <laughs> <laughs> it's all, it is actually featured in a bluey episode. 
Uh, what? It's also I don't an know up. If you guys have blue, yep, it's oh, an, it's an up. up. It's an and up. That's why. It's also in a Squirrel. bluey episode. Yeah. Um, yes. We don't do the bluey. I don't know. <laughs> no. All right. Oh, no judgment. No, no judgment. That's a parenting <laughs> podcast. Sorry, that's a different All right, episode. So, stay, on, stay on track. <laughs> stay on message. Stay on message. Um, where was I? What was I talking about? We were oh, talking sensitive. about sensitive yes. stuff. Um, so my wife was like, um, she, she, she kind of, as, as one does, she took the quiz for me one night without me knowing. And she's like, you know, you're a highly sensitive person. I was like, I know I am. She's like, no, no, no this is a thing. Highly sensitive. She's like, you're, um, whenever you get really noise sensitive and you also need to process things alone. And uh, she listed off all these things about me, but yes, I, I said one time I had a therapist who was working out really well for me. I, I just loved working with her. And I came home and I told my wife, I said like, I would, you know, what if I did this for a second career? She must get so much gratitude and gratification out of being a, a therapist. And she's like, you could never do this. You take on the pain of everyone around you. This is terrible for you. Don't ever do that. No. Um, so that's me in a nutshell. Yes, I, I, I empathize highly. Um, but there's so. a difference between that, which is more yeah. of a sensory processing, because I also, I mean, maybe the two are linked, but I don't think there's been enough research or any research into that. But my supposition, because <laughs> right, <laughs> the supposition being if you're already like, I feel that way too. Like, I'm like, oh, it's too noisy, or I get overwhelmed, or I need to like, take a break, or like, I get anxious with, you know, lights or colors, or just like, anything that might be too much like overstimulation. Um, but there's a difference between that and walking into a room where there isn't any of that, mm -hmm. and then you feel dizzy. So that's where I say, is there a difference? I'm not sure. There is there a is. big difference, but I think I the, think two the are input is different. Yeah, I think it's not an external, um, tangible input, but something that you are feeling, picking up psychically. Um, Energy electromagnetically i mean i don't know we've talked about like sensing earthquakes and that kind of thing too um so i i just want to say before we go any further there is some sort of sensitivity happening with you that seems not the same in the majority of the population yes i i will give you that but i also i, I just feel I don't see a huge, I see this all the continuum, right? You have these five senses that everybody recognizes, but then everybody knows that when you're, for example, in love and you get your heart broken, there's another feeling there. That's something mm -hmm. that you can't just, you could physiologically describe it. Some scientists could like rationalize all these things and suddenly you're like, yes, but it's still another emotion. There's something else there. Why do I have a physical pain in me when that happens? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Like there's so many things on this continuum, keep going. And maybe that's where you're describing me at right now. There's a little bit something that a lot of people don't, or whatever. Like I don't see shades of brown as well as some people because of my eyes, but mm -hmm. I feel other things. Right. But anyway. I will say, though, going back to what you said about the heartbreak situation, I do agree with that. However, with that, you suddenly have this. It's like when, you know, people talk about when uh, sometimes postpartum, one of the theories with postpartum depression happens when you suddenly have this cliff drop of hormones that you've been experiencing 
for nine, 10 months, and then suddenly, boom, mm-hmm. they're gone. I would counter that with it's the same with suddenly this oxytocin that you felt in massive waves at the beginning of a relationship that you don't quite necessarily realize are still being generated by things no matter how long term you've been with someone you're still getting that that need met and that that oxytocin you know dosage is being met each day and then suddenly boom it's the opposite sure, and instead so, and- what you're experiencing is a is almost a grief a physical grief as opposed which is the polar opposite of that mm-hmm. but you know i do agree with there is this sixth sense type situation and i you know i you know i think all three of us here can agree that the three of us have a thing where we get easily you know especially it sounds like you and i get very easily overstimulated mm-hmm. not just so much in with with visual and audio stuff but it's also the the energy that's happening like we can be i i was never able to take tests in a room full of people because it was so loud to me same thing as i couldn't study in libraries because it was too loud for me and it was almost especially in test situations, there's so much stress in that room. There's so much, you've got people who feel confident because they've been cramming. You've got people who have been cramming, but still have so much anxiety because they don't think that they know the stuff. You've got the, you've, you're, the feelings in that room run the gamut and you are almost like one of those giant satellite dishes that people in the 80s had on top of their houses to catch all of the channels in america because <laughs> we didn't what, what do you mean in the 80s i mean i'm probably still a couple out there i mean this is coming from someone i grew up with four television channels so i don't understand this thing that whatever but it's almost like you suddenly become this giant receptor that you are taking in all of these different channels and networks of other people's uh emotional uh uh experience in that moment in time and so i had to bug i had to sit in hallways that being in a hallway was calmer for me than sitting in a classroom to take my test because it's different you have people just going about Mm -hmm. their normal lives going to and from the toilet and what have you Mm -hmm. sitting in that room was too much it was also my own anxiety about it, but it was awful. It was awful because I felt all of these different things, and it feels like someone's just taken all of this different shit and stuck it in a blender and they yeah. hit high speed, and you're feeling all of them at once. And it's I've always described it as a very slippery bar of slope, of slope of soap. You're trying desperately to grab this bar of soap as as it's falling in the shower, and it's that comic type thing where you cannot as soon as you grab it it slips out of your hand and you're trying to figure out necessarily what's happening but yeah it's that does that sound at all yeah mine's sort of the opposite i i mine's i no 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 it's the same idea but it happens on the micro scale not the macro i'm okay in a room of people taking a test for example yeah Mm -hmm. i have a really hard time when there's someone in my midst that is going through something. It's a okay. one-on-one. Uh, where okay. I, I just suck it all in. Okay. So like uh, I had some friends, uh, we, we recently went to Vegas and my hardest part about being in Vegas was just being, interacting with different people all day. 
it wasn't being around a lot of people. It was having those quick interactions and trying to like protect myself against that. And also like, I'm like, fine, fine, fine. And I'm like, I wonder where that person came from. I wonder if that person who lost all this money is having a problem. I wonder if I wonder if, and then it's the one-on-one feelings. Mm-hmm. But like when you describe the testing situation, I, I would always want to be in the back of the room. So everyone was in front of me and no one was behind me. And I could just, I, I always have felt like I have had, um, oh, we can go into this. If, if you want to really sidetrack. Oh, yeah. oh, let's go. Can, let's go. Let's go. Oh, we're this. there. We're on right. the other track already. Let's do it. So, so a lot of people, a lot of people acknowledge that stress can induce injury or stress can exacerbate injury. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, years ago, I was diagnosed with this thing and you're going to ask me what this letter stands for. And I can't remember, but it's called TMS. And it's, it's basically a physiological, um, stress induced or stress exacerbated injuries. So like you get injured, your brain's like, I don't want you to pay attention to what's really bugging you in life. So I'm going to prevent that injury from healing in your body. I had times when I could barely walk. My knuckles were so swollen. I couldn't make fists. And this pain and these problems would move around my body over time. A lot of people that manifested in the eighties, it's this weird thing where like the brain will see other people in the certain same, same, same with the same sort of situation or or with a problem. And it'll like, latch on to that. So like, it was all about back pain in the 80s. In the 70s, it was all about ulcers, right? And then it became all about anxiety and manifesting and things like fibromyalgia and other things where it's physically in your body. There's a mm-hmm. problem that manifests in your body, right? And my doctor who diagnosed me, he was my GP. And he, I went to him for like six years before I, before I told him about all these, this pain. He's like, do you know what I do? I'm like, no. And he's like, it's so weird that you're telling me this stuff because I'm one of the few people in the country who studies this. And you have it so clearly. And he's like, I'm not gonna make any money off you because the answer is therapy, exercise and journaling and, and therapy, exercise and journaling. And I have been largely pain-free for 10 years. Whoa. Um, it's called tension my point, myositis syndrome. Thank you. Yes. It's basically your brain um, restricts blood flow to the parts of your body that are injured uh-huh. in an effort to, to keep that yeah. pain there to distract you from what's bugging you. Now you can, this is like, we just physiologically described all this stuff, but the bottom line is stress fucking affects me, right? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and you know, you're talking people around you affect you, Emily, and, and, and one-on-one situations affect me. And maybe like, maybe it's the temperature in the room or the humidity, or maybe it's there goes, I don't know. But like, I walk into some rooms and I'm like, whoa, this is a little bit weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To me, it's all about how you're, all the senses through which we perceive this world, this universe that we're in, are tingled and affected and changed based on our stimuli. And like mm-hmm. some people just walk right through a group of 200 people, don't even know it. Mm-hmm. You know? Not me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're no, just, we're just free range right now. This is, no, 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 this no, is no, great no. because I this feel is what like we talk about. Yeah. Um, I, I, I love ghost therapists. I love that. When I heard you guys <laughs> say that, I was just like, I got to be on this show. <laughs> yes. It's true because ghosts are still, I mean, if we go by what we think they are, that there's intelligent hauntings, they're still trying to do things and they're still having feelings and, or at least hanging yeah. on to feelings yeah. they had when they had a body, yeah. you know? Um, the other I, thing is, is that what um, people sometimes perceive as being an incredibly scary experience is not, it's not the intention yeah. of whatever is interacting with yeah. them. They just want to be noticed they, because there's, we talked about this at some other point. It is, um, we talked about this in one of our other recordings the other day. 
you die twice. Once when your physical body is mm-hmm. gone and the second time when people stop saying your name. And so there's mm. that when when a spirit is, if they're ramping up their, you know, their activity and people are getting scared, it's not always because it's malicious. It's because they want you to notice them and acknowledge that they exist. That's it. Yeah, but like we don't know. We've brought this up before because yes. I think about it a lot, but we don't know like what they're seeing. We don't know what they're hearing. We don't know that they're just standing invisible in a corner and they can hear every single thing and see every single thing we do. They might just be getting little impressions like we are. And maybe they're like trying to get noticed and (laughs) screaming, you know, trying to get noticed because all of the other smaller things they were doing weren't getting anybody's attention. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's interesting to think of it flipped the other way. Like, Oh yeah. um, Like fucking the others movie. Do you remember that movie? Oh yeah. Did not see um, it. Again, with the, I don't deal the scary super well. That's fine. <laughs> spoiler. Yeah. Spoiler Nicole alert. Kidman. It's yes. old and there shouldn't be any spoiler on this. <laughs> uh, there was a family, like it was, you know, a period piece, and I think in early 1900s, and this family started thinking they were living in a haunted house. And by the end of the movie, they were the ones haunting the yes. house because and they but they were only seeing little bits here and there and i wonder if it's the same sort of in and out meshing of timelines whatever it is then there's all glitches and all kinds of other things we could get into but that's a whole other thing (laughs) so yeah like when i so we talked about research earlier i moved away from so let's i guess let's back up a little bit you mentioned sleepy hollow a few episodes ago and we're like oh i think your sister or something yes well hey nice my sister-in-law um, yeah she's drinking um, out of his sleepy uh, hollow i didn't even mean to today knowing about it. i just yeah. did it well so i was born in phelps memorial hospital in sleepy hollow okay um and grew up uh, like when I was about one year old, we moved to this house that was sold off of uh, an estate on the Hudson. The Hudson used to have a ton of like bankers and stuff living up and down on these big estates, the Rockefellers and others. Right. And um, Frank Vanderlip, who was president of uh, Citibank, First National, one of the city, the Citibank has a few different names, I don't know. But in, in like 190 whatever, um, he had bought one of these farms and um, converted it into his estate. It was called Beechwood. And mm-hmm. when we lived there, they, the Vanderlip family had left in the 50s. Um, uh, like legend was that it was so haunted, they just were like, got to bounce, I'm out. And they left the gardener and the caretaker. And mm-hmm. we moved in and, and, there were, and there were other outbuildings. There was like a, there was a, um, uh, a, a barn that like somebody who's in the family, there was like, there was the Vanderlip family and the Scholes family and they married, married somebody's going to like, be like they're talking about my family um but whatever these people are That's long fine. gone um, and they it, the, one of the schools had married like a i don't know my mom knows all this history like the uh, like a baroness or something crazy anyway um so there were people living on the property um do you know the song on top of spaghetti yes yes by tom glazer he was my neighbor he lived in another house on the property we would what? as kids ride our bikes over to tom glazer's house and I was like, I don't know who this guy is. Until my mom's like, do you understand that record we have? Was, yeah. He was a really, really sweet guy. Um, he oh, drove man, one of those amazing. old um, orange BMWs. Those, those old 70s BMWs. I'll never forget it. That's <laughs> awesome. Um, so anyway, um, 
so the Van the Vanderlips moved out in the 50s, 60s, somewhere in there. But there are other places that had uh, other houses that were occupied on the property, including ours. And uh, one of the the, the Vanderlip family members from the Skull side sold us the house off of all the other houses were being rented, and this one was sold to us. Um, and so we got an acre of this property, and it was on the edge of 30 acres of of just overgrown mansion falling down, Whoa. crazy traditional wow. gardens. Um, super like, well, let me pause here. And, and, and for you listeners who haven't read The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, I want to read the perfect description of this part of the country. This is the opening, right? Okay. And, and, and this is me reading Washington Irving's words, because this is just golden. A drowsy, dreamy influence seems to hang over the land and to pervade the very atmosphere. Some say that the place was bewitched by a high German doctor during the early days of the settlement. Others that an old Indian chief, the prophet of the wizard of his tribe, held his powwows there before the country was discovered by Master Hendrick Hudson. Certain it is the place still continues under the sway of some witching power that holds a spell over the minds of the good people, causing them to walk in a continual reverie. They are given to all kinds of marvelous beliefs, are subject to trances and visions, and frequently see strange sights and hear music and voices in the air. The whole neighborhood abounds with local tales, haunted spots, and twilight superstitions. Stars shoot and meteors glare oftener across the valley than any other part of the country. And the nightmare, with her whole ninefold, seems to make it the favorite scene of her gambles. Like, that's, that's totally the feeling of growing Whoa. up there. It's this wonderful, <laughs> beautiful, uh, you know, the idea of some places being thin. I think you guys talk about that. Like, like thin veil between. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is one of those places. Um, so they left the mansion somewhat abandoned. The caretaker lived in there and the, the gardener lived in, in like the, where they kept the, where they kept the, you know, the garage, old timey garage. Oh, like the carriage house. Yeah. Thank you. The yeah. carriage house. And, um, and, uh, and all the furniture was in the mansion. It was all covered in, you know, it's like very like stereotypical, all covered in drapes. They actually filmed an episode of Dark Shadows there. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. And they filmed, um, I don't know if you guys know this, the, what's it called? One of Sam Watterson's first movies is the Merchant Ivory film they made there um, hmm. back in the day, in the 70s, called the, the something, anyway, whatever. Not Gatsby. Gatsby, I mean, no, no, Gatsby no, 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 was... no, 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 like, 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 like one of their, I think it was their first feature. Um, it was super, it was, it was weird. It was like a bunch of people meet in this like mansion and then they, they go and play croquet and these, um, Amazon type women come out of the forest and then they sort of interact. It's in black and white. And yeah, it's, 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 it's weird. Like, yeah, they literally hit a croquet ball into the, in the trees and then like these women come out. And like, I don't know. Um, that croquet ball uh, is very powerful oh to break up that yeah. space time oh continuum. So, um, so I, uh, I mean, we had, my mom always describes it as a magical time. We had six years there and it was just magic. Oh, and, so cool. And, uh, and we just knew the ha house was haunted. Uh, you guys had described people in Europe, Emily, I think you said just all know everything's haunted and people here are, there's some who do and some who don't think mm. things are haunted. Well, this was like everybody in the neighborhood knew the whole neighborhood mm. was haunted. Like there were people who talked about their, I can't remember which family it was. It was so young, but they, they would, they upstairs, they'd hear footsteps all the time when they were all down in the kitchen, that kind of stuff. <laughs> and, um, and we toured like the, the Al was his name. I'll just use first names right now. Al was um, the caretaker and, and he would let us, you know, took us on a tour of the, the mansion and 
and he would talk about the ghost and he had half the mansion the ghost had the other half and um he wasn't That's that so friendly cool. oh no and what do you mean the ghost wasn't that friendly well because he just didn't like being or like i i didn't I, want to be the, around people i will give you all the details i know okay I don't have that detail. The, so the ghost had tell. strict boundaries. Okay. Did have yes, boundaries. Which yes. is great because we so found a lot of ghosts boundaries. do not have boundaries. Yeah. And, and it's we rude. Find that so it's very, very inappropriate. <laughs> oh. They like to try and smooch. <laughs> they like to try and just hold your hand. You know, it's not, put your, it's not cute. Put their arms around you Joy. while you're yes. rocking your child to sleep. No, not fun. You. Joy. No, that happened you. to Joy oh. in private. Um, no, yeah. Yes. Uh, we, by the way, years ago, my wife and I lived in uh, Borum Hill um, in Brooklyn. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, we were, and that's where I did all this research. When we were there for four years for a grad school. I did all the research to figure out. Basically, cool. I was trying to figure out if all this stuff that I remember had any basis in historical facts. If there's anything, mm-hmm. if there's anything I could find, and I found a lot. Um, so we'll get there. But, I love uh, this. I uh, love this. So thank you. We were touring. We were touring the mansion, and the dog, uh, Al's dog stopped and like we just looked in the corner and would not go into one of the rooms and he would like follow everywhere and, he, and I was like oh, that's that's creepy and he's like yeah. I was like yeah he sees the ghost and that and then and I know you guys like this stuff they um there was a room in the mansion with like Asian inspired uh like silk wallpaper and the whole map the three-dimensional model of the whole town the circa like stop it yes. yes yes and, and is it and Beetlejuice what was, was, what was on it was the mansion and all the outbuildings, our house was there and like nothing else. Oh my God, I um, love it. And uh, and anyway, so um, so one one of the stories that that I actually asked my mom years ago when I was in like high school or college, I said, did this really happen to us? She said, oh yeah. And I said, tell me what happened because I wanted to make sure I was remembering it right. Um, so our house was this beautiful like farmhouse. It had four main rooms and 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 and, and organized in like you know four squares and a corner fireplace in each one. So you could get fireplaces all lit up and, and the whole house. So you could. My parents used to entertain like sixty, a hundred people there. There would be like it was, but not a huge house. But it was like it was a very much a house where you would bring people. Um, and and it just felt good to be full of people. Um, and one night, randomly, my parents were arguing um, as my mom was making dinner. And I remember this because I was standing there barefoot, looking up, seeing them having an argument, as, as you do. It's not a big deal. Um, and then they stopped because we all turned around because we heard glass breaking. And we had these cabinets. And I'm just jumping into the, one of the stories just because I'm trying to you know, jump away. My brain. That's fine. Do jump it. away. We're jumping with you. The cabinets that held all our dishes had glass window panes, like kind of like French door little things, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. And one of those window panes had broken out all over the floor, and and we looked up, and my dad yelled to me, "Don't move!" because I was barefoot and there's glass all over the floor. Right. To this day, my mother still has all the glasses that were in there. She's like, they don't buy new stuff, you know. Like she has these glasses from like forty. Well, they do. Mom, she's gonna listen to this, mom. I know that you do buy new stuff, but <laughs> these are classic old sixties whatever glasses, and none of them have broken. One of them has just it just disintegrated into a pile of dust right mm. behind where the glass blew out. What? It was just yeah. It was just like we didn't see it happen. We saw it there in this pile of glass dust. Oh my and the, god! The, the glass was all over the floor. My mom likes to say it was a friendly ghost in our house, and he didn't. And and I think either she or I added that up to that the ghost didn't like us, um, them arguing in front of sure. me. Sure. 
But, and at, oh at the same God. time, my, my brother was above our heads in the upstairs in the bedroom, jumping up and down and, and making noise. And they were like, you know, Mav, you're stop jumping. And, and it was all this like, chaos and it all stopped. Like in an instant, whatever, if that was the intent to get to move us through that, you know, we were, we were a pretty chill family, like, you know, waspy Northeasterners don't, didn't yell a lot, didn't argue <laughs> out loud a lot. So this was like one of those nights we did. My, my mom and my brother were going to talk to me and be like, that's not at all out west. <laughs> it's okay. It, but, it's no, uh, just a loud discussion. That's what. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and, and one of the, and, and, you know, we. I just can't explain to people who don't know this feeling and you guys, I know, know this feeling, but to others who don't, I don't know how to explain. We always just felt like the house was part of the family. Sure. The house yeah. was, I was never fully, I mean, I'm sure I was alone certain times. I felt like, yeah, I'm alone right now, but I always just felt part of like with someone else, like with something mm-hmm. like, like surrounded by something. It this definitely felt good. Um, it like and, absorbed uh, the energy or emotions of other people that lived there or just the intent that was there. Something. Something, something. And in a way that the main house had some bad feelings about it. This, mm-hmm. this house did not. Oh. And, um, and, uh, and, and you know, one of the other stories was that my mom doesn't know if she doesn't think it was even supernatural, but she, she's, she's, you know, that's her Sorry, opinion. mom. Um, <laughs> One night, someone was over. We had either a friend over or um, for a while, we, this gosh, this is back in the day, back when Ireland and Northern Ireland were fighting, they did this program that sent kids from Belfast to the U.S. for the summer. So we, we had this kid stay with us. He was like nine years old and he spent the summer with us. He brought the rubber bullet so he had recovered, one of which had hit him. He brought him in his suitcase. and he oh my gosh. I mean, it, I mean, such a different world, right? Yeah. Like, Gosh, I mean, it's not other parts of the world is happening, but yeah. Anyway, so I think he was with us, but it could have been someone else. His name was Joseph. Anyway, we were we were going down the, the, the upstairs had a really long hallway, and um, my brother's bedroom was at the end of the hallway. My bedroom was on the right hand side of the bathroom, and then my parents on the left. And uh, before he got over the stairs, and we passed my parents' bedroom, and the fan turned on. They had a box fan. This is mm-hmm. turned on, and we stopped, and we walked back, and it turned off. And we jumped and we ran and it turned on. No! And we ran down the stairs to my parents and we're like, God, it's the fan. And I'm, I'm hyperventilating now, like not just for effect. I'm like still triggered by this. Um, but, uh, uh, and they were like, eh, it's just loose in the plug, guys. It's just loose. It's just, just, it's just, go pull the plug out and it'll be fine. We went upstairs, like creeping upstairs and and the fan turns off when we get up there. And then we're like, well, what are we going to do? And my brother, who was older, he's old, two years older, he was, he was either nominated or volunteered to run into the room and just ran in. And the fan's going on and off. And he runs in and yanks the cord out of the wall. And that was that. It and, didn't go back I on, was, right? <laughs> not, not when it was unplugged. That's what but, I'm always afraid of. Yeah. And, and then it flew across the room. No. Um, it was... It, it, it was one of these things where you could explain away any, well, not the glass, you can't explain that away, but you could explain away any one or another of the things that happened or the feelings we had, but like to live in this area at the time and just go through this over and over. And like, I mean, they put on my Cub Scout uniform, they have a little patch, which is your like area. The Hellas Horseman is on the patch. <laughs> like, it was like, oh, it's, it's, it's everywhere. It's, it's everywhere. Everywhere. Right? 
um, but, but, uh, so, so, so I left, we left that area in the, the mid eighties mm-hmm. after about six years living there. And we moved to Miami of all places, totally different. And, and then to LA and, and, and I wondered for a long time, like, I never experienced I, these stories were told at the beginning, like things have happened. Yes, but never lived in a place that felt so alive uh, mm-hmm. since then. And I wondered how much of it was just my childhood, uh, you know, if not receptivity, just my imagination. And, and so that's what led me to do the research. Um, and also full disclosure, I, I got my MFA in, in writing and I wrote, actually ended up writing a novel about all this because oh, really? I, couldn't, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't stop once I started. It's, it's the Emily thing, right? You just go down the rabbit hole <laughs> and, and you follow the story where it goes. But, um, so when I got to the, the best place to do the research in New York that I found was starting with the Westchester archives and the property records of the, the, going back to this early 1800s and just and and all of the the different the 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 surveyors and and i what i found out after i wrote took down all the surveys of all the the properties changed hands etc etc is that so first of all a lot of people said vanderlip's wife named beechwood after the beechwood trees there um well it turns out she didn't name it and this is now known you can google this it's pretty easy this guy named william creighton named the area beechwood he also founded Scarborough. He was um, a, a pastor in um, a rector in New York City at St. Mark's in the Bowery, something like that, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, and he moved up to um, Beechwood, probably in part because his wife had some some sort of mental emotional breakdown of some kind. She had she had had two kids, and then she had a third that died in childbirth. And between that kid's birth. And when they moved to Beechwood, she is described in one or two places as having been affected, like yeah. just, you know, went through something traumatic. Sure. Um, and and so he resigned from St. Mark's and he moved up and he bought this farm and he called it Beechwood. And so I was like, oh, so that's why there's Creighton Lane right behind our house. I get that. Okay. This is um, all making sense. Okay. There's the mansion. But I kept reading and I, and I, and it's, and there was also like there's this conflation between the mansion and what Beachwood was and wasn't, and I couldn't quite figure it out until I, I transcribed, I drew the drew out all of the property lines of all of the records I found and superimposed them, and realized Beachwood was our house, mansion was the neighbor's house. Oh, it was Frank Vanderlip who bought everything and used the name Beachwood. Wow. So, so I, I, I don't know if I told this in the right order because there's, there's like, I know who the bad ghost was too, I think, in the uh-huh. other house. But the guy yes. in my house was totally crazy. Totally yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. Or, or this other guy who died in the house before him, which I have a great letter from that guy, William Alex. <gasps> uh, okay, I'll, I'll read okay. that in a second. But anyway, so in so basically it's like, it's a 1830. Um, this guy named Pearson buys the mansion that is at the corner of whatever is Route 9 and Scarborough Road, right where Revolutionary Road starts. Mm-hmm. And that's what becomes a mansion of Beachwood. And he's living there and he's got a, he's got a maid and amongst other people, his maids, um, uh, you know who Sojourner Truth is? Yes. You know that name? Yes. 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 That's the maid. She wow. uh, was a former slave. She escaped. She moved to New York. Oh, my God. This guy, oh my God. The yeah, history. Robert. Robert. The, this is. Yeah. And she history. went by her. She went by another name. I found a couple of names like that. That's her like 
I don't understand her history that well, so I don't know exactly why she went and why she adopted that name, except it's part of her work. But she had another name she went by when she was there. Huh. And um, this guy named Robert Matthews, um, this guy named Robert Matthews kind of like horned in on Pearson. He was sort of like, uh, he had this sort of following. He was starting this sort of liberated sort of, yeah, like weird cult type thing going on that had to do with swapping wives and, and, it, was uh-huh. Uh-huh. and it was about the time mm-hmm. it was around the time of one of the great awakenings and the mormons were actually starting in upper new york as well there were a lot of new religious groups starting at the time and robert matthews was not one of the more pious of those people he was this was like mid 1800s you're saying this was, this was like 1825 to 1830 some like and, movement all of that stuff yes we're yeah. talking of what is the town upstate? We just talked about yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did. I did a deep dive thing on seances and shit. So this came up and I'm yeah. the name of the town is escaping me, but they also named a place in Florida the same name. And I can't remember it, but I will. Remember. So when we lived there, there was a rumor that um, Ro- Prophet Matthias was the name of this guy, had had like killed these women and buried them in the rose garden basically and um and he was then and and, then he was killed by um the one of the workmen who was in love with one of the women there's all these stories floating around so i i tried to research i was like oh robert matthews called himself the prophet matthias it's like great this is amazing i'm finding all this stuff there's a book um on my bookshelf somewhere, can't see it now. These guys wrote a book about Robert Matthews and it's fascinating and there's a whole section on them living in this property. Turns out it's both less and more interesting than than stereotypical like killing of the virgin. Um, basically, he and Pearson were not always seeing eye to eye. And one morning Pearson keeled over in his blueberries and Robert Matthews was charged with his murder and hightailed it out of there. Oh, so oh. The and he, ended up following some of the Mormons north and to New York and then out west likely and then sort of disappeared from history soon after that. So I was like, okay, well I've got a I've got a lead on like maybe maybe Pearson is haunting the mansion. You know, it makes a lot of sense. He it was a very like like Matthews was like sleeping with his wife and because like he was mandating everyone to oh it's just nuts. It was just wow. ugh, it, was, it was icky. It was like everything about that mansion that was, by the way, it's been since converted into condominiums. And so uh, forgive me if any of you live there, I'm sure it was laid down and it's all good now. If you do live there, send us an email. Yeah. Yeah. If you but, live in um, one wing, it's amazing. It's great. It's a beautiful. Yeah. The beauty of the beast house. The other one, I'm sorry <laughs> for your pets. If it they don't want to go. to the West Wing. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. God. So, um, oh, my God. So, so then, so then that led me back to our house and, um, and realizing that our house was the actual Beachwood named by, um, by Reverend Creighton. Um, let me go back though, cause I'm not sure who this ghost was, but let me read you about a, a letter from another guy. Yeah. This is William Ouch Moody. Can he we, was, can, yes. can we, t- you wrote a novel about this? You wrote a book about right. this? Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah, are we allowed to, to know what that this? is? Yes, oh, please. Yes, <laughs> can uh, we? Oh, by all means. I, here's what I didn't want to happen. I didn't want to come on and say, 
oh yeah, yeah, by the way, I'm working on a novel. And you guys, oh, here he is. No, oh, yes. No. Okay. no, we love no. doing promo. Tell us the, everything right. well, about so, it. <laughs> um, basically, I, 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 all this stuff that you're hearing about was, sw- was swimming in my mind for years and years. And I was in a writer's group. Still am. Hi, guys. They're listening. Um, they're amazing. Uh, just, they're just my people. Um, I, am, I am the young spring chicken of the group. Um, our, our, the head of our writers group, he passed away a couple of years ago. He was 97. Um, oh, he was gosh. my graduate school, um, graduate school professor, m- a mentor, and Sid, S.L. Siegel. Oh. Um, great author, too, by the way. Okay. <sighs> I'm going to get sad now. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. No, that's okay. That's okay. Anyway, um, so I've been working on this stuff with this group, and I was like, no, I got to write this story. And I couldn't figure out my end. I had all these stories. I had all this stuff about Creighton. I had all this stuff about Robert Matthews. I had all this stuff, a little bit about this guy, Ouch Muti, um, uh, who just seemed like the coolest dude. And then he died young in, in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and I, I also have been like a huge fan of like trying to figure out what ghosts are about. So I watched, you know, Paranormal State. I watched um, now back in the day in L.A. listening to Loveline when Kenny Kingston would come on. I don't know if you guys listen to Loveline back way back in the day. They'd have this psychic Kenny Kingston come on and he would talk to, to his sweet spirit. And then he would just tell everybody what's going on. It was crazy. Amazing. Um, but but I loved all that stuff. And Chip Coffee from Paranormal State. Doing his, like, we love Chip. We love oh, him. I, we love I would love to meet that guy. He's Same. A, he's a pistol. So anyway, um, not not a huge fan of Ghost Adventures. Too scary. I don't. I don't like the haha. Moment. I have I my like own opinion again. about Ghost Adventures. That's a whole other episode. But we, Andrew yeah. and I, we loved the museum. Like we did love the museum. The museum episode was great. The you museum great was fantastic. He's a so, smart um, business person. Okay. And as far as I know, <laughs> my child did not come out with any rosaries babies thing. Definitely had no cloven hooves over here. <laughs> We're good with that. Good. He hasn't started that's, talking that's yet. Good. I forgot so, to check his feet. Thank you for No, they are know. delicious. Yeah. They're quite large, you know. By the way, I, like I said, I'm between jobs, so I can go as long as you guys can go. Just, you know. Oh, um, we get, So we anyway, um, <laughs> so I, I was doing dishes one night. Uh, years ago, and I was piecing this all together and, and trying to figure out what the story was. And, and it hit me like, boom. Oh, when we die, time stops. That was my thesis. Right. When, when you die, time stops. The time doesn't end. It just stops. It has no meaning. And let me read you something. I pulled together some of my notes. Let me read you yes. something. Do you know who Brian Green is? Brian Green is a All I can think of is the actor is from 90210. And that's probably. No, no, no. Okay. No, no, no. Brian, Brian Green Austin is Green. A, oh, yeah, like a, Austin he's, Green. he's a physicist, I believe. He's yes, like this sounds. And he does some of these shows. Yes. And he described he, he did in, in his book, The Elegant Universe, and, and, and this quote has a lot I of this person because I cut it down. Um, he, de- he describes space, time, and the eye of the beholder. And, and this is what he said. He said, Einstein proclaimed that all objects in the universe are always traveling through space time at one fixed speed, that of light. This one fixed speed can be shared between the different space and time dimensions. If an object is sitting still, all of the object's motion is being used to travel through one dimension, time. If all objects that are at rest age at exactly the same rate of speed. If an object moves through space, Mm -hmm. some of the previous motion through time must be diverted. Its clock will tick more slowly if it moves through space. And here's the kicker's coming. 
The speed of an object through space is thus merely a reflection of how much of its motion through time is diverted. The maximum speed through space occurs if all, sorry, this is a little bit long. If no, all of an object's motion through time is diverted into motion through space, but having used up all of its motion through time, this is the fastest speed through space. Something traveling at light speed through space will have no speed left for motion through time. Thus, light does not get old. A photon that emerges from the Big Bang is the same age today as it was then. There is no passage of time at light speed. Oh. If you have no weight, yeah. if you have no mass, you don't feel time. Because that's there's actually, nothing to pull that. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, actually and also incredibly beautiful in in a, yes. in a scientific way but it's beautiful yeah. oh I, I have another book i got but some some physicist who wrote about time and he's like this italian physicist slash poet and it's just like oh, oh man so well written i feel anyway. like you are talking joy's love language right now uh, i need you to know I, I went to i listen, saw her pupils years get ago big. i know she just went into oxytocin land. It is. I went to a lecture and like book signing with Neil deGrasse Tyson, Lawrence Krauss. Oh. Um, uh, was Michio Keku there? I, there were like a whole bunch of people and Lawrence Krauss signed my book and my head basically like exploded. So <laughs> it was great. That's awesome. Anyway. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so, so this idea popped into my head that like, oh, time stops when you die. And suddenly the book was writing itself. Now, the, the, my, 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 my professor, uh, he had a very specific style of writing that I subscribe to. Not everybody does, but it, it involves a lot of outlining first, planning out your novel. And I just, I outlined for like, I don't know, nine months and then, um, and just free wrote. And then I, um, I wrote and I wrote, a, I wrote a novel and it's basically, I, I took the place in Beechwood, the house we lived in, excuse me. I set the main character as a boy who dies at eight years old there mm -hmm. because I was a little younger than that when I was there. And um, he finds himself stuck in the house and he's reliving his own memories oh, wow. and possibly haunting mm -hmm. his own memories. Oh, wow. And he begins to haunt the life of someone from the 1800s that he finds another spirit in the house. So these two spirits are haunting one another's lives and their own. And, and, and they are stuck and need to find their way out. And so this was my, this was I my attempt to, to understand. This. I would gladly give you each a copy to read. I'm happy to do that as long as you promise not to share it before talking to me. Um, sure. Promise. Uh, also, uh, uh, if you could please give us the information on where to purchase your book so that we can put it. We can let our other listeners know. Don't pull that face. Yeah, it's not published. It's not published yet, unfortunately. It's, I, I have a good, I have a good first draft, and I'm working on a okay. second one uh, with my. Writer. Okay. Well, then, when it is published, um, but, we need you to immediately tell us where. Yeah, so just that we update can us know. Okay. so okay. we yeah. can. Yeah, 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 totally. Hey, maybe I'll come back on. Who knows? <gasps> yeah, see, that'd be great. So, anyway, I mean, we've so already been was... talking for an hour, so I feel like yeah, we can do this more. Like three episodes. Jeez, you're gonna go cut, cut, cut. No. Um, so yeah, the book was basically about me trying to understand the, the purpose of the book is me trying to understand whatever whatever I experienced and what I believe about that, and also just like what do I believe about the afterlife? And it was just my attempt to kind of like meld all of my beliefs from growing up in in, in the Presbyterian Church and moving beyond my beliefs in that. 
right. having a solid foundation in Star Wars and believing in the, the you know, the, the force and then, I and then that. growing up in a haunted house and <laughs> yes. all of those things together. And, 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 you know, I, I did a religion major in college to help understand it. And, and oh that gosh. helped, but it was really, it was really writing this book that really kind of made me think, I don't think I have the right answer. I just know I have an answer that, that makes sense. I had a, I had a professor in college, um, he was a religious professor, uh, his name's Bruce, and he photographed ancient texts and manuscripts. So uh, I saw more of the Dead Sea Scrolls working in his lab. Oh my God, what? And, my head is he, just... Uh... Yeah. And so he, um, so he used to say, like, he, he would be very critical of researchers and, and me as a, as a student of his, if I, as he described, it took all the puzzle pieces in front of me and put them together in a really interesting way without evidence. He's like, mm -hmm. that's, that's, not, that's, not, that's not academia. That's not research. What you have to do is use evidence to figure out how the puzzle. And he would literally use Photoshop to put the puzzle pieces of Dead Sea Scrolls fragments back together. That's literally what he did. Oh and my so god! He had a lot of experience in this. I, on the other hand, love to take all the puzzle pieces and put them up wherever I want. God bless <laughs> you, Bruce. But that's what I end up doing. He was really cool. Whenever um, he realized I wasn't going to go into his field, he never made me feel guilty about it, and, and was was super awesome to just you know pay me when I couldn't make any money doing anything else. But um, but yeah, this is just me taking all the puzzle pieces of my life and like putting them together in a way that seemed pretty cool. And that's all we're ever doing, yeah. right? Yeah, that's all any of us yes. are doing on like a second to second basis. As long <laughs> as we remember that's what we're doing, and, it and, and in, in remembering it prevents us from falling into the trap of thinking we know everything, right? Right. Like right? you can but, handle the same sort of situation in different ways after you've learned from handling yeah. it one way. Yeah. Oh, this is such a good conversation. I love this. Joy is just <laughs> like in her fucking element right now. <laughs> so let's talk about another way. Emily's got a bounce. She's like, this is crazy. What are we doing here? <laughs> I have notes. I've got to go look things up after. Um, like, see this ring? See that ring right there? Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is my dad's ring. And um, I asked my mom, and she was totally cool with me sharing these stories. Three things happened when my dad died that okay. were crazy. Okay. One of them, not as much, but I'll, we'll get there. And that's why I want to tell you. Right. So first of all, um, he died in December, like nine years ago. And, and my mom on the East Coast delayed his memorial service till January so that everyone could travel in. And it wasn't like a Christmas depressing thing. And, and we had people right. all over the country. I mean, they were like... I don't know, 400 people in the church. I mean, he knew wow. beloved person, like just, he was just like, he knew your name the first time he met you. And he just made that connection. Oh, and, wow. um, and, uh, my brother's family was at the house that my dad and mom built in Virginia. I designed it with him. And, and, and so it was a very personal place. And my brother's family was in one, the bedrooms, the, the house was on a hill and, and the lower floor was where the bedrooms were. Right. And um, the, the, the hill looking down, looked out into the forest and the lake beyond and, and the, the driveway was on the other side. That's important. So um, they were in one of the downstairs bedrooms and look and, 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 and their daughters needed blackout curtains basically to sleep. So they had all the curtains up and we were in my, my, my wife and I and our newborn at the time were in the master bedroom sleeping and we had the regular shades down. Um, and then my mom was in the back bedroom, which had almost no light in it. Or maybe, no, no, I'm sorry, my grandmother was there and my mom was upstairs in the living room sleeping. And uh, in the middle of the night, I woke up because I thought I saw like headlights coming in, in in the driveway. I just saw light coming across, 
you know, coming through the shades. And I was like, oh no. I thought right away my niece might wake up in the other bedroom, even though it was on the other side of the house. And then I fell back asleep. I got up in the morning. I, I went to my brother and I said over breakfast or, or something, I was like, hey, did you guys sleep okay last night? I know there's some light. He's like, you can need to talk to mom right now. You just got to go up and talk to mom. And I was like, okay. okay. And I said, um, I said, uh, I said, my, my brother said I should talk to you. What's up? And she goes, the weirdest thing happened last night. Uh, something woke me up and I got up and in and, and the living room, it had windows looking out down the hill all over. So the, the living room was above the bedrooms. And they both had similar views. And I looked out and, and, and right before the tree line, there's like 20 feet before the trees, I saw these crosses lit up. These, 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 there's like a, a whole bunch of crosses. And I just, I just knew that they were all lit up and, and, and one was represented dad and one represented you and Matt and your families and me. And, and I just thought, oh man, our, our church was so great. They, they came out here and decorated the yard. And I went back to sleep and, and I couldn't sleep. And I might be missing a detail here, like one or two steps, but basically the gist of it is she's like, I still couldn't fall asleep. And I went up to look again and they were all gone. And I didn't think anything else of it. What? Except it was just really strange. And I was like, are you kidding me? I saw the lights. Whoa. That was nuts. And what, where they live in Virginia is rural. Like yeah. they live out in, the, it, it's, it's out in a, a rural area. There were lots of people around, but like they were on two and a half acres. The neighbors right. were on two and a half acres kind of thing. Like it was, mm-hmm. it was a big place. There's um, not regularly but, headlights roaming across that portion no. of like, yeah, I got you. No, but my, but my mom was like, I don't know what it was, but I just felt good. I felt good, right? So then the next thing was I had asked dad before he died where his ring was because he hadn't been wearing it. And he was, you know, if you've ever uh, dealt with anyone who's at the later stages of cancer and there are a lot of medications or in in hospital, not always lucid. And he would go in and out. And he said something about giving it to somebody, which I knew he'd never done. His brother gave him this ring. These are are his initials, LLL. Um, Mm -hmm. That's the, my my uncle got this ring in Mexico. It's probably cursed or something i don't know what it was but it was like d- bought on a, yeah. in the street in mexico yeah okay and um, my dad wore it all his life people would know him by that ring like people would say look for the guy with this ring on you'll know that's how you know who he is. wow so i and i look exactly like my dad like spitting image kind of weird my brother looks a lot like my mom i look like my dad so i said you know dad w- w- without that ring i'd love to have it and he's like oh, i i give it away and um and I said to mom, uh, after he passed, I said, look, if you find that ring, I would love to have it. Um, I talked to my brother. He's totally cool with me having it. Um, and she said, oh, yeah. And she, she, she looked for it and looked for it and said, I can't find it. She cleaned out all my dad's stuff. I can't find it. Um, they, had, they, had, they had built this house so they had a master bedroom with two bathrooms, the ultimate in luxury. <laughs> so oh, his my and God, hers. that sounds genius. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it oh was not God, a big yes. house, but that was my mom's mandate. Geniuses. And my mom had cleaned out his whole bathroom. And, and couldn't find it. Huh. Six months later, she said, you'll never guess what just happened. And I said, what? She said, I cleaned out his, his cabinets and, and he had this dresser that the sink was put in and so these drawers. I cleaned those out. I went all the way to the back, cleaned everything out. And just on a lark, I looked again and there's the ring. <gasps> yeah. Man. So that's number two. Two weird things. Now here's the third thing. And I, I'm coming back to your point, right? Yeah. Um, my dad came to me in a dream, probably twice, but one I remember very clearly. Uh, it was about a year after his death. And the dream was I was in um, like a boat on the series of canals 
on a hillside, weirdly. I don't know how you have canals on a hillside. And I was like, you can actually, like you canoe. have locks. No, you can have locks. There you go. No, but it was like, it was like on the side of a slope. Oh. It was a weird, oh, okay. yes, it was very strange. Sorry, yeah, I'm just going to, I was just like, no, let's get practical. No, we have them back home. We have no, locks. Gravity, gravity can fuck um, off right here. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> and, and I was, and I was with, I think I was with one of my kids at the time. It was very strange. I was like, just, it was just weird. I only had one son at the time. So it was just, I was with him. And then it was like, and it was people's backyards and stuff. And there were trees, but grass. And it was very weird. And then I saw this guy in the distance standing on the side of, of, of one of the, the waterways. And it was my dad. And he waved. And I paddled up to him and he goes, man, oh. And I was like, dad, you're here. And he's like, yeah, I had to come. You just look like you were totally lost. <laughs> and you needed some help getting out of here. And that was it. And, and now, Emily. Could you say, maybe you could describe my mom in the ring, that situation is she just couldn't see it in the back because she was just blinded by her grief. Could you say that we had this like hallucination because someone left this gas on on the stove? I don't know, a delight, maybe that's weird. The dream though, I just had a dream, right? Right. What's that? It's I don't different. care what that is. It's I don't different. care what that is. You know, it, it's, it goes back to this thing like, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, and forgive me, uh, anyone um, from uh, any religion I'm drawing from so glibly, but like in, in, in some of the Hinduism or Eastern religions, this idea that we are all actually connected and it is only our sort of veil over our eyes that makes us think we're separated. Yeah. Right. If that's really true, then, then my memories in my head of him are part of him as much as I am part of him and we're yes. all part of the same. Mm -hmm. And therefore, if I have a, a dream about him, I have essentially, in essence, I have experienced something of him. And it doesn't matter if you can explain it by with science or not. I don't care. It just is yeah. what it is. It's all true mm -hmm. all the time. You yeah. know? Does that answer your question? 100%. 100%. And I think it also goes down to, you know, there are, there are people... There's there there was someone there there is someone I was very close to in my life who passed away in the last few years and I've desperately wanted to see them in a dream. Desperately. And I haven't. And it is I think sometimes they come to us when we really need them. Sometimes mm -hmm. they come to us when it's a when we least expect them. And I, I think it's all subjective. It's who am I to say that there's a reason why this person hasn't come to me? Just like who am I to say what the reason was that your dad came to you in your dream and that he didn't deliver some sort of huge prophetic, you know, message. It was just, I saw you, you were looking lost. You know, and I, I thought I'd come huge. And help like what that is what was going on yeah. in your life at that time? Well, he didn't well, necessarily exactly. mean I, oh, I, had, I had a new I had a newborn. My job was crazy. I'm all the things. Right. You know, yeah. I, I think I I I too like I love this idea of being you know. Hey, look, I had a dream about someone I love and I miss. I, I've never had my. I was very close to my grandmother and I never had um, that experience after she passed. But I also yeah. know that she lived to 98. She had a full life and. Right. and I'm, I'm happy to know she's resting, but I will say, I kind of feel this way about grief. 
you know, you go through these phases where you're, you can think about someone who's passed and it's just fine. And you're just walking about your day, like, oh, I had memory, whatever. And then these other times, like the other day, I was thinking about this podcast and I was thinking about, you know, spirits. And I was, you know, after my swim at the gym, I was having a shower, got out, getting dressed, and I just almost burst into tears because I was thinking about, I was feeling my dad's presence and I was feeling the presence of the head of my writer's group who, this is what's unblocking me from not having written in nine months, right? I wrote the draft and I've been stuck and, and I've been, you know, trying to find a way to unblock and I can just hear him right over my shoulder going, yeah, it's time to just start fucking rewriting. Come on, yeah. like do it. And, and you could say that's just my brain. You could say that's my grief. You could say that's all things, but I choose to believe, I choose to believe these, these feelings visiting me are more than just in me, right? They're that right. connection that you still have. And, and I love this idea. Like every time we go to Michigan every summer where my wife's from and Michigan, this part of Michigan on the, on the lake, on Lake Michigan, it's beautiful and it's quiet and it's thin. There's just, you just feel the land, you feel everything there. And every time I go into the water, the first time I'm there, I just been like, my dad loved it there. And, and he'd only been there a couple of times and he loved it. And I just feel him there with me. And I feel my wife's dad with me and I feel generations of people going to the lake thousands of years of people walking through the bluffs down onto the lake and like spending their lives along the water and maybe it's just my imagination but who's to say it isn't and who cares right, right? yeah we often talk about like well whether you can prove it or not it's making you feel better right so yeah who who cares um, as somebody who has had a lot of dreams about people that have passed on, there's a difference when I have like a wish fulfillment dream of, oh, I really missed them. So like, sorry, I'm a little mm, weepy. No, I um, get it. I think honestly, this whole conversation <laughs> with you, Andrew, has just been so it's it brings up a lot of emotions, I think, for, for yeah, both of for us. Sure. Yeah, sorry, Joy. Because it's very relatable. Yeah. Um, sorry. Excuse me. Oh, darling. <laughs> Andrew, look at um, what you fucking did. How dare you? I know. I know. Make and I thought my we would connect over cry. Zoom. I thought I thought the energy wouldn't go through the Zoom call, but here we oh, are. Oh, it does. It uh, does. Electricity no, is how, Friday, and doing this podcast is how my house started getting a wee bit haunted again last time. You know, I, I think I, I, but I agree with you, Andrew, it's, you are still feeling this over here because we're having a genuine human connection right now. But yeah, sorry, yeah. Joy, are you okay, darling? I'm fine. I had that to say that sometimes it's just wish fulfillment. And then other times it's, I feel like it's a, a visit because I'm having a different kind of conversation. Right. Um, but also, like, I wanted to go back quick to the the light and the photons and time mm -hmm. stopping and all of this. How many times do we see evidence on video or people say, I saw these lights and I saw orbs right. and they picked up this light going through? And it's just very interesting that it's so in line with what kinds of experiences people have had for so long. Right. I mean, some places and cultures and and they just have, you know, swamp lights or like the lights in the woods and those sorts of things that have just been seen forever. And people don't know if it's extraterrestrial, if it's paranormal, if it's just something 
with the geography and magnets and the poles and whatever else is happening. Like, but these things, it's interesting that they all correlate to the same idea of like, well, if you're light and if you're a photon, then there is no time. I think that's beautiful. Yeah. It's, I just, I, so it's like, it's like the amount right in front of us that we don't understand, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm all of that to be discovered and explored. I used to, I used to think when I was a little kid, by the way, let's get back to scary stuff a little bit. Not scary. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Like, Sorry. Um, okay. Wait one uh, second, yes. because oh, yeah, now okay. I'm thinking about us looking at light and I'm thinking about all the light that Let's we can't go. see, like the, the different levels of like ultraviolet, whatever, like that yeah. our eyes don't pick up. So is it a different form anyway? Okay. That's oh, there was, that this, out there. there was this episode of, <laughs> it was either paranormal state or I think it was paranormal state where they had one of those blur cameras. But it was one of the ones that has like the, like the, the, it picks up all the, the UV or infrared light or whatever. And they put it on this one dude and the camera went completely bananas. It was crazy. I could not find the episode to save my life. It was the weirdest thing. It was just the outline of this guy, like his aura came through. But, mm. um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We're going, we're going free form. It's fine. I wanted to send you, I wanted to send you guys. I think this is like when I, so I was like, oh, I don't know them that well. I can't. Because when you, you said we're going to do this without a prep interview, I was, my first reaction, I'm curious now if you know this reference, was like, oh, we're going to do it live. Yeah. Do you know that? Do you know you that know video? You know what that is. Yes. The Bill O'Reilly video? Yes. Oh, was, like, God. God, that guy. Oh, Ooh, God. I almost miss him now. The, the crazy of that age, so much more manageable than the crazy of today. Oh, man. But, yeah, you anyway, know, sorry. now we're Did stuck with totally like, it it's now we're stuck with fucking Tucker Carlson. It's a whole other ballgame. Oh, Jesus Christ, let's not even. <laughs> yeah. go watch, just go watch the John Stewart takedown of Tucker and his, his guy John Stewart. years ago and you'll feel better. Do you remember that? Yeah, John, Tucker everything. Carlson, the show, that mm-hmm. was... Anything to do with like, John Stewart taking people down is just, it just restores my faith in humanity, at mm-hmm. least from mm-hmm. one side. Yeah. Yeah. I saw at least yeah. one of those tapings live and like Bill Clinton was the guest and off the air because this has nothing to do with this. But I felt like I was the only person in the audience that caught a blowjob joke from him <laughs> because they're like interviewing him and they were asking. It was like right when like Hillary was secretary of state and like all the stuff was going on and Yes, you know, was it like now that you're not there and she is and like what's happening? He's like, well, you know what? I just, I just always know that the best thing to do is suck up to whoever's in charge. And I was just like, I looked around like it was the only person that heard it. I was like, what? (laughs) Suck up to whoever's in charge. And I was like, damn, man. If you find yourself listening to our show and thinking, oh, I have a story that I should send in, then go to our website, theresidualspodcast.com and send us a message. We love bringing you all things paranormal, but we would like to do more. And this is where you come in. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast. After that, leave us a glowing review, give us a five-star rating, and share us on your social media. We are so grateful for your support. Now, back to the show.
let's do some more creepy, scary stories. Yeah, um, it's, not, it's not so much creepy. I got something for you, though. By the way, side note, on a side note, um, you know, you, you mentioned your, 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 um, your um, ADD references earlier. Uh, I was told a long time ago by someone, um, almost in like a, a critical sense, that I wasn't a linear thinker. And, um, and that's why this person couldn't understand me. I was a divergent thinker. Um, they, were, they were convergent thinking, and I was a divergent thinker. And I was very insecure about this until I went home and Googled it and realized this guy was crazy because companies pay a lot of money for people who are divergent thinkers who can draw connections randomly because that's mm. where you find innovation right. and people with ADHD, ADD type stuff, when your brain is firing that fast, the challenge admittedly, as I've dealt with, I'm not, I'm not saying I've, I've been diagnosed with anything. I don't want to presume that, but I know this feeling is the challenge is to harness yourself, to slow yourself down enough to get those things out in an order you can process them. Mm -hmm. But don't ever think that it's a bad thing that you do it because most right. people don't have the capability to let their mind just ping, 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 ping and find all of these connections. Um, I think it's, you know, it's an asset we often, we often want to kind of hone out of kids as they grow this, this creativity and this like, ability to just go hey by the way random thought like no that's what you should be doing that's what yeah that's what people, yeah you know? exactly anyway. and i appreciate you no but i appreciate you saying this because i i work in a creative industry and having add is a superpower as far as i'm concerned in my industry yes. because you know we'll we'll be doing things and we'll you have to be solution oriented you have to live in the solution mm -hmm. and not the problem so when something arises you have to be like great so then we'll try this way or we'll try this way mm -hmm. you always have a few different backup plans that being said what is my superpower is looked upon by other people as being a disorganized jumbled mess but it, when we're in meetings and we're doing creative pitches and granted, one of the problems I have, which I'm sure you've noticed throughout this and other people listening have noticed this on our show, a big problem I have, and I know other people with ADD have, whether you're treated with, with medicine and therapy or not, we interrupt because when we get that thought, we have to get it out, But yeah. which is really, it's awful because I don't want to. I never go into an interaction with people, especially in a work setting where I'm going to be undermining them and what they're saying by interrupting. Problem is, is that I know if it doesn't come out, I'm going to forget it. And if I'm mm -hmm. sitting and writing them down, I'm going to be in my own mind and I'm not going to have any idea yeah. what someone has been saying. That being said, though, is that constant, like I, you know, you'd get those Facebook memories that come up. My girlfriend who has hired me for numerous projects, she posted a photograph of me. We were out to breakfast and all she posted was my full breakfast plate, my hands furiously going on my cell phone. And she like put the caption something along the lines of when you're in a creative when you're in a casual breakfast meeting with Emily and her creative engine is going and her plate mm -hmm. is still untouched after half an hour, because that's <laughs> what we do. That's how we work for other Precedence, people. Yeah. 
for other people that I've unfortunately experienced in my industry because they don't get it, they don't understand that while uh, that I, like you just said, you're making these connections between things. So you're going from point A to point Z, but there is a common thread. It's like that, that bunkers conspiracy theorist with their cork board full of, (laughs) you know, like, like that that picture of Charlie day uh, from always sunny where he's like, and that's the inside of my brain. But it's, to, when when you look at it you know when you get it all down on paper then you can when it's when it's down on paper for people to see and they're able to be like oh wait i get it now i understand but mm-hmm. there are a lot of indus- industry people who are on the creative side who don't they think creatively in a linear manner and there's no yeah. varying on either side of those they things. may not though I mean, but when you are, but I'm going to say, okay, but when you're act, actually in an environment with people like that day in and day out, it is really hard to, it's, it starts to kill that perception of this neurodivergency that you've always seen as a superpower within your chosen field as still being a superpower because it's seen as such a, you know, I'm lucky that I have people that I've worked with, especially supervisors who will say to me, I love that you get so passionate about this creative stuff. I see it. And that's great. Mm. But it's when you are working with people like you said that you had someone say to you, it's a, it's a negative who see it that way when you're in a field that that's not how it's like, you know, and that's, that's challenging. So it's really lovely to hear somebody who's in such a straightforward thinking field, like your, like yourself in, in many regards of it with the planning and everything, just to hear somebody say, well, no, it's actually not a bad thing. It's not, and you know, anyone listening, it's not a bad thing. It just means that, I hate to be tacky and cringy, but you are to have the ability to think outside of the confines of of whatever small box you've been pigeonholed into is actually a gift, and it's quite yeah. Important. And I think I think when I, as a manager, I, I I try to open the door to different. Everyone thinks differently and communicates differently, and I right. say to when I make a new hire, I say to them, "Look, we're going to take like six months to figure out how we communicate. Right. It's going to take mm-hmm. time." And let's give us give each other some grace and some space, which I took from a boss I had once. She, she used to say that, and um, and we'll figure it out. And let's make time for those different things. Let's make time for the crazy like spider web of ideas, and then let's make time for the organization of those thoughts. And mm-hmm. and a lot of people, it's hard. It's it's really hard for people to step outside of the way they think and they communicate. Mm-hmm. Um, but if if I find that if I express that into in, in front of people who I don't know before I go into a meeting, it usually goes better. And I say, look, I'm going to, there are times when I'm just going to be super excited and passionate and give you a thousand ideas. If I go too fast and, and it just is not helpful, please feel free to slow me down. Right. Or, 
you know, maybe we'll box it and like, hey, let's spend 20 minutes just brainstorming. And then we'll spend 40 right. minutes talking about what we've, you know, whatever. Exactly. Anyway, now we're, now, we're, now, we're in a, now we're in a work podcast, but. <laughs> yes, no, I get I it. Um, but I do, I do um, try to apologize to people up front if I do interrupt them. And I just try to, and yeah, for yeah. some, a lot of people, I get it. It comes off as an life. excuse. I'm sorry for, sorry for interrupting. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, it comes off I mean, as an excuse yeah. for, for rude behavior instead of an explanation to some people, but it's just all I can do is my best, right? Sorry. Yeah, exactly. All we can Let's do is our go. best. Yeah, no. Um, sorry, so what scary I was, what story I time. Say, I, yeah, I don't know why I diverge from that other than you and I are kindred spirits and have to bounce around. Um, okay, no pun intended. Best, uh, best no paranormal intended, show out there right now. Um, I had another pun. I'm not even going to go in there. It was just, I had a funny pun I thought of last night. And I'm like, I'm not so dad that I have to bring up a pun. I thought, oh, um, no, no, we'll save it for another time. Oh, okay. Um, so the, the, um, what I was going to talk about real briefly was, um, you know, being, being as a child, being scared a lot, even if there wasn't something actually happening. Like I wasn't scared when the glass broke. I, I was terrified by the sand situation, but, but normally it was just like every night the house was creaking. My brother's in the other room going, did you hear that? And I was like, I heard that. Did you hear that? He's like, it was probably a squirrel. Like, what about that one? And like, like just always saying, you know, leave the door open at night, leave the light on in the hall, all that stuff, which my kids don't seem to have. Thank goodness. They're just, they're just sort of chill about mm -hmm. like the, the house they're in. And um, it was, I got to the point where every time I would travel, like we would do a little family trip or something, I would have a conversation with all the spirits. I would say to them, look, guys, you don't know this, but I am the king of all ghosts. So you have to do what I say. And what I say is you can't show your face. You can't show me. I'm going to pull the covers up and you do whatever you want out there as long as you don't make any noise. And I would have this conversation every time. And, um, and it was weird. I know I never, I have told very few people about this, but the reason I'm bringing it up is the version of that me as an adult is, is whether or not it's real. I don't know, but like whenever I'm in a situation like coming into this podcast, like I'm just spooked by everything right now. Right. I don't know if there's anything going on. I don't think so, but I'm just spooked by stuff. But like, I just, remember the spirits that I want to have around me. Mm -hmm. I was like, dad, grandma, you know, I just yeah. think about those spirits, whether or not they're visiting me, I don't know. But if there's ne'er-do-well spirits out there, they're, they're, they're better be good ones too. And they better be my, my, my family. And if I call them in, everything's fine. Maybe I just feel better because I thought of them. And it's like, maybe, but that's but, also like a very common thing that people will tell you to do like first yeah. you're sitting there saying whether you're really the king of ghosts or not it doesn't matter you're saying i'm in charge here yeah. are my boundaries these are the things you can do one two three that's it otherwise you gotta go you're just saying here's here are the rules and then the other thing is like okay i'm calling in other I'm calling for backup like literally saying like I want all of the good vibes and the good spirits and everything to come in and like protect me from these things and those are very common things throughout human history that are things cultures have done all over the world and all different times so I mean it, it's you know whether it seems silly to you it doesn't seem very silly to me it seems Definitely like a very not silly it doesn't I think now. especially when you're yeah. going into a location that you're unfamiliar with that you mm -hmm. don't know what yeah. the history of it is. You don't know what 
you know, but you also have, <laughs> have already stated to us that you are very, very sensitive to energy in places. So I'm sure, yeah. you know, I'm not, well, I'm not sure, but, you know, there have probably been spots that you've walked into that you're immediately like, we're not the only ones here. And I need to set the my basement. ground rules for myself and my family. Exactly. Right. You know, because, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, we haven't traveled a lot the last few years with everything. Right. Um, and we've started traveling more now. And we went up to Big Bear a few weeks ago. And halfway there, I was driving and I went, oh, no, what if there's a ghost in the Airbnb? And I got very, very nervous. For a little, because I forgot I haven't gone places. I'm like, oh, that's a thing that could happen. I don't want that to happen. <laughs> so I'd be like, oh, this is like, let's be cool, everybody. Okay. Yeah. And it was cool. Everything was cool. But you I did know. the opposite, man. We went up to the Iwani before Christmas well. last year. And it's like haunted. And the inside of the main hotel is the inspiration for the overlook in the shining. Mm -hmm. And we were staying in one of the original cabins built like in 1926, 27. And I went in and I'm like, okay, don't fuck with my kids. Not my husband. But, you know, if you want to say hi, what up? I'm here. Because I spent, you know, I spent because he was the the baby was only like, he just turned three months old when we were there. So I was spending a lot of time solo mm. in there while he was napping on me. And so I was like, it's oh. just me. I'm just here, man. Just, you can come and say hi. It's cool. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Fucking real. They were like, that's no fun. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that they bother me in the middle of the night. Cause I'm like, I don't want to see anything. I'm a big wuss. Please don't come here. La 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 la. <laughs> I mean, only if yeah, they're nice and they're yeah, just going to be like, hey, what's up? Yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> just baking shows in the dark. That's all I want. Well, I have one last quick question for you. Oh, yes, please. Being yes, that I know we're about to run out of time. Being where your home is currently located, that you are in this area that was originally inhabited by... um you know, Native American tribes. I believe this okay. is also, you live in the same area where Courtney lives, who we had on earlier. It's not heavily trafficked. There is, you know, a history there within the land, like with within the land mm -hmm. itself. Um, and, you know, you've said you you hear things, you hear the, the coyotes singing together. Have you had anything, you know, that at your new house or just in you know the the area outside that has that you've experienced or that you felt no i not 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 in this canyon uh, not to say there isn't anything to be felt i i, I love it here i feel very at peace here maybe it's because i can't hear the freeway i don't know but there's hiking up and down up the the canyon so but uh, but i i actually it weirdly um up angela's crest i always I just feel like, you know what it is? Having gone to high school in LA and my friends and I were in um, Boy Scouts, we do a lot of hiking and camping up Angeles Crest. And they knew all the local history because um, they were here in like whatever sixth grade when you do California history. He would tell us about the bandits. You know, one of them would talk about the bandits who had like their, their like 
up at Chileo or wherever they had like a hideout. And then, mm-hmm. you know, the Native American tribes, the Gabrielino and others who were up in the mountains and, and down into the valleys. I always, when I go up Angeles Crest, I feel like, oh, this is a place that is, that is well lived. This is a place that mm-hmm. has a lot of energy to it. Maybe it's because uh my imagination whatever maybe it's because the city's not around me and so it's cleaner it's clearer mm-hmm. right you know sure. it's like simpler um, less interference less interference thank you but uh but i i couldn't i i am not the chip coffee of the group who would walk through and be like oh i'll tell you all the stories about this place um i i just yeah i i actually we've always it's funny we've bought houses we've always ended up in houses that people thought feel good Right. Mm-hmm. And this is another one. Yeah. Um, yeah. We were nervous for a time because it was a the family before us had had some some trouble when they lived here and, and, and with, within their family. And we were nervous that the house was going to like do the same thing to us. But it didn't. Um, but it actually is like a, a comforting and, and happy home. Not like not as much as the last one. But um, the last one was like you walked in and you're like, oh, my gosh, I feel great in here. This is amazing. <laughs> um, it was a hundred year old craftsman in Highland Park. Right. Anyway. Oh, OK. Oh, um, man. So pretty. Yeah, it was, it was the place. But but no, I mean, I wish I had. I wish I had the ability to be like to say, oh yes, you know these these hills I'm looking out over have been inhabited for generations. But I mean, I, it could have been like the canyon that no tribes would go in, right? I have no idea. <laughs> right. I have no, yeah. I have no sure. concept of that. Um, I, I know they don't like it now that there's a dump at the top of the hill. But uh, uh, yeah. But you yeah. know, got to put the garbage somewhere. Um, right. So. Anyway, I mean, you you like, may not be walking around, you know, with like chip coffee going, this happened, this very specific thing. I'm seeing a woman, I'm seeing a man, whatever. Right, right. But you're walking into places going, I feel a certain way. Yeah. Yes. And that's <laughs> something in, in my book, I tried to tap into this in, in this instance. I always tried in every scene to describe more than two or three senses in what I felt. To mm-hmm. try to like, how does the wind feel? How does... The ground feel walking on it. How does how is the temperature? Is it is there a breeze? Is there not what all that stuff like? And I try to do that with my kids. You know, like if if we're on a hike, I, I stop and I, I say like, oh, do you feel the sun right now? Do you feel mm-hmm. that breeze? Yeah. Like try to get them to just stay in touch the way they intrinsically are. Right. But just to kind of don't always get caught up in other stuff. Yeah. Like be or there. Just don't, just don't yeah. let it go. Right. Like I think a lot of people, and through no fault of their own, just sort of leave that behind in childhood. And they yeah, just sort of get their job. You don't have to leave it. You can add to things, but you can yeah, still you can take it with it you. you can, yeah. yeah, exactly. Sure. So in, in that sense, I definitely feel like this is an easy place. I mean, we're really blessed and fortunate to be in this area. And it's an easy, I'm looking out my window, by the way, that's why I'm looking over there. Uh, it's an easy place to have that feeling. Um, it's actually something I really love about LA in general. Like, I, I don't I don't dig the haters. LA is an awesome place for just, getting around and you can just drive 20 minutes, maybe 40, and then you get somewhere else and there's a totally different feeling, totally different feel, different vibe, whether it's the people or the environment. Yeah. Um, only people I've met who hate LA are just bitter that LA is warmer than New York. That's the only ones <laughs> I've met. So anyway, love New York too. I'm from there. So. <laughs> Man, see, I got a captive audience. What, I could talk all day. <laughs> well, we could, or we could 
wrap this up and then come see you in a few months or so when stuff with the book is happening and we can revisit all of this after we've had a chance to mull it over. Yes. Totally. Can I tell you a final really cool story about publishing? Washington Irving story? Yes. Washington Irving. um, People often, uh, friends of mine who are writers don't want to market their own books, don't want to market themselves because they don't think they know how and they feel like it's, it's, it's just like, ah, it's just, it's, it's, I should just be able to write and be read, right? Like, no, but no, you shouldn't. <laughs> nobody has that. Um, no, all the love to my writer friends, but I've heard that sentiment many times. Um, yeah. Washington Irving was like 19 in New York City. The United States had never had, um, actually, no, was, the colonies at that point, had never had a famous um, writer, right? They had, ne- they had not had yet their Edgar Allan Poe. They had not mm-hmm. had anybody. Washington Irving was the first. And here's what happened. Here's how it happened. This is so great. There's a book. You know, uh, you know the term Knickerbocker? Yes. Synonymous with yes. Knickerbocker? Washington Irving coined that phrase. Oh, really? Because it's because now someone's going to correct me. Well, actually, it came out 20 years earlier. But he popularized it, if not coined it, because he wrote a book. Um, it, was a, it was a fictional history of New York or fictionalized history of mm-hmm. New York by Diedrich Knickerbocker. Uh, Washington Irving always used pen names. And... He was like, again, he was like 19 or 20. He, had, he, he needed to figure out a way to sell his first book. So he wrote this pocket guide to New York. And he, um, I love this story. He, uh, he called up or called up. He went to an innkeeper in town and got him in cahoots with this. And he took out an ad in the newspaper, the innkeeper did, and said, hey, um, does anyone know a Diedrich Knickerbocker? He was staying at my hotel and he's disappeared. Last seen on the highway north of the city he left a manuscript in my room in his room and then the, the couple weeks pass and there's some there's some blah 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 about it like oh we saw him up here we saw him on a horse blah 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 and then there's another ad in the newspaper that says um still haven't had confirmation on Dietrich Knickerbocker's whereabouts if he doesn't um show up soon I'm gonna have to sell his manuscript to recoup the cost and there was all of this play going back and forth and everyone in the city was talking about it oh and my everyone gosh. knew and everyone knew it was fake this they is also brilliant didn't care. yeah and um so they published a book this thick i'm holding my fingers about an inch and a half apart it's this massive tome um a history of new york from the beginning of the universe to the present day oh and my it starts God. with what like niedrich knickerbocker describing how if you want to talk about New York, you really have to talk about the movement of the tectonic plates. And to understand that, you need to talk about like how the world formed and, and really got to go back to the beginning of the universe. And then it goes forward from there and gives like a historical or like a, a here's all the cool places. And and that's what got Washington and Irving on the map. Oh my God, and, that's amazing. And it just reminds me all the time, like, and, and Irving, so, so one, he was his own best marketer and mm-hmm. publicist. Two, and this is this is something I did in my book so far, who knows, um, I really took inspiration from him, like trying to capture the feelings of the area. But also he used real people all the time. Ichabod Crane was the name of a guy. He got the re- permission from Ichabod Crane to use his name in the book in Legislative Theology because it was such a cool name. Yeah. The Van Tassels had a mansion right there. Um, uh, the Storm family had a mansion or not a mansion, a house um, mm-hmm. right there. They were another farming family. Um, all of these people. He, he would just use their names and the places around him and create fictional versions of that. Much the way John Cheever, who lived on Beechwood, John Cheever, the author, oh my um, lived in Beechwood as well for a while. He lived in a, a little house in Beechwood called Beech Twig. 
he rented oh this house God. from the Vanderlip family. The it's Vanderlip so family were patrons of the arts and they would have like Tom Glazer and mm -hmm. um, John Cheever. And Cheever, people, my, my mom would say, my mom told me stories from the older people who used to live around the neighborhood when he was still writing there. They, they'd all eagerly wait for his, his works to come out because they want to see who's in it. And he would like put people into them, into the stories that were around him. He would change the names though. But my point is, so in my in my novel, I I, I used all the historical names of all the people, I, uh, the the present day people. I used so far, I have the names of the caretaker and the gardener. I combined them into one person and, and kept that name, but I may change that. I use the name Beechwood. Um, it's just it's just it it it's. I understand now what the, I think Washington Irving was doing was simply drawing on all of the things and the energy and the the sort of the meat of the world around him mm -hmm. and putting it into his stories and but it's um, such a good marketing thing too like well and that and that yes and 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 the market it's I, brilliant I, to be like i'm gonna write about you you're gonna have to buy the book and read about it to find yeah, out yeah, what exactly. happened yeah who's not gonna and, go and buy I, a copy of that if they know their name might be in it like, yeah and i wonder if he felt any sense of what I feel in sharing such an intimate story of a, of a personal place. And, and is that something I want to let out into the world? He was mm -hmm. writing about, he was, he, I believe he wrote Legend Sleepy Hollow before he moved to Sunnyside, which is where his house is in, in uh, Terrytown. Um, mm -hmm. I think so. But he was racist. He was obviously writing about a place he loved very deeply and spent yeah. the last 30 years, or whatever his life. Is there any, did he ever have any fear that in doing so, he would open it up, like Disneyfy it, right? Before there was ever a Disney. And then people would just come to see it. I, I don't know. It's weird. I don't know. I mean, how many people had a concept of that even being a thing that was possible? Like the, the scale of how far it would reach was a lot different then than it is now. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, the, the idea idea of something going viral then um was a smaller area or at least yeah. a slower period of time for it to disseminate yeah yeah definitely um so maybe you didn't have an the, idea or maybe it was like yeah this will be great in a few years when everybody's read my book and they come here like you know to timeline it's different yeah it's uh, one never knows um so yeah, I don't know. It's weird, but uh, yes, the William Creighton, the the, the rector uh, who lived in Beechwood, uh, named it that. He was Washington Irving's pastor, and and I couldn't find it before this. I, I barely found it, but you can find online the the um, memorial service, like his what he said about Irving. Oh, uh, he gave cool. The, he gave the eulogy, and um, and you know everyone was so buttoned up then. Uh, but there is a glimpse. I I feel like in reading it, you're like, wow, these guys were friends. And he really mm -hmm. lost his best friend. And um, it's just really touching to see this guy who's like this reverend reverend and uh, giving this talk about, you know, eulogy for his best friend who's just passed away. And, you know, the, the, there's a church Creighton founded on the grounds of Beechwood uh, for oh. his son-in-law to be the rector of. And Irving's, Irving donated some of his ivy from Sunnyside to the church. And it's growing up. Yeah, huh. crazy. <laughs> So, I was going to ask if like the eulogy was given in the old Dutch church because I was over at the cemetery there um, when we went. No, that he side. Was, um, so so uh, Creighton was rector at a church in Dobbs Ferry where oh, Irving okay. was a parishioner. And then they moved to 
I think it was called Zion Church, and they moved to, uh, I believe it was a St. Mary's or something like that in Terrytown. Mm-hmm. That's where that's where he ended his time as rector. I have it in my notes somewhere, but I can't can't see. Yeah, you get that you you're talking and you can't use another part mm-hmm. of your brain. That's fine. Um, so anyway, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's funny. In some ways, I was trying to like do justice to the memories of my childhood in this book, and in other ways, I was trying to do justice to Irving and Creighton, and just like painting a fictional version of what their relationship could be because they're he's Irving's a recurring character in the novel Mm -hmm. he's he's like the he's the guy who kind of gets it whenever these hauntings are happening like yeah you know (laughs) clearly it is a ghost that's Um, so interesting I'm very excited to read this yeah I would happily let you guys read it and 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 love to hear any thoughts you have and for anyone listening no it's not publicly available but I hope it (laughs) is at some point soon um you know, I, I don't understand when people say I don't want to be read. I'm just writing to write. Oh, no, 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 no. We're writing to be read. Right? Yeah. That's yeah. You're telling a story because you want to make a connection. And this is this is this is as good a connection. Just us sharing, sharing ideas and stories. We and will absolutely like keep everybody updated on it. If you want to just pop us an email and be like, hey, this is what's going on with the book. Just to update everybody like we can throw it in an episode, too. So everybody keeps it on their radar. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, hopefully you'll like it. You know I'm what time sad. it is, right? This is hard. Oh, hold you on. You know what you time it is, Andrew. It's, it's Emily's time to shine. Sorry. I know what time it is. Guess what time it, it is, Andrew? What time? Tell me what time it is, Andrew. Is it time for the gratitude? It's gratitude. <laughs> what is something that you are grateful for? <laughs> Other than us, because that's just a given. What is something? Oh that you're well, first of all, don't don't do don't don't sell yourself so short. One, okay. uh, I, I mean, am I, short. I, have, I can't help. It. She is. She's. <laughs> I I have. Uh, I'm always grateful for my family. My kids, my boys are just amazing, and um, thank God they're healthy and relatively happy and well adjusted, and that's all you can ask for. Um, and my wife puts up with me. <laughs> and um and um and truly i'm grateful for the sort of kismet of this all coming together yeah it's been awesome you know it's so it's not often that i am able to just jam out on things that i think about all the time in this arena because i spend so much time in my empirical brain um, mm-hmm. with empirical people and not no 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 bad thing there it's just this is another this is great this is awesome. And you guys do great work and I love it. And I hope the podcast never changes because it's so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. We'll just keep talking as if there's no one else actually listening yeah, to basically. us out there. <laughs> I'll keep crying inappropriately. It's fine. I'll keep meandering onto topics that have absolutely nothing to do with what we've been Stay talking on about. Target. Uh, yes. Joy, you're next. Um, I am actually very grateful for this conversation because you know we're talking about empirical brains and stuff it's nice to stretch those like theoretical muscles and hear about physics and photons and what about this and maybe it's this and what is this i just like coming up with theories and making those connections and you know uh maybe part of my brain and its linear thinking is also pinging a whole bunch of other places at the same time yeah. it's like a little multiverse of thinking going forward um so i'm very grateful too to be able to have this sort of 
weird tangent filled, but not really tangent filled conversation. So thank you. I love it. Emily. I am, you know, I'm going to stick kind of with joy on this one. I'm really grateful for, sorry. Um, (laughs) I'm really grateful for the, for your introduction to a new way of thinking about what happens <laughs> the kid agrees uh what happens after <laughs> when people die you're you're light you are light particles and time stands still and your energy doesn't go away you you are a you are a tiny collection of light particles who continues and i think that's a really beautiful way of thinking about it so yeah I mean, everything is go to the light, right? The light at the end of the tunnel, all the yeah, light. Light. There's a lot of stuff that lines up with it. It does. Oh, Bullshit, I'm going to be quietly Andrew. thinking about this in the back of my head for a while now. Thanks for giving Joy something to obsess about for the next few weeks. And thank you so much for coming on to talk to us. Um, it's been absolutely a, a real treat and such a delight and we can't wait mm-hmm. to chat with you more at some point in the future. Yeah. Right. We love a follow-up. Yeah. And if anyone yeah. else listening today has anything that this has sparked anything for them to write into us about, go for it. We want to know. Yeah. Now. If anyone else lived on the Beachwood property and they're like freaking out now about all these stories because yeah. they have their own get to the website and send us a message yes the residualspodcast.com yeah that's right um so people until next time until next time sage your sofas and don't be afraid of the dark but i will (laughs) thank you andrew thanks andrew you're welcome thank you too we'll chat soon all right bye bye After life support groups, I like this idea.